With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Time once again for the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined, as I always am, by BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer and also, of course, the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 102.9 FM in Tuscaloosa weekdays, 11 to noon. The Talking Tide podcast available at our web host at podbean.com. That's where you can get it quickest and fastest as soon as it drops. You can also get it on various platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And a lot to get into here on this edition of Talking Tide. We'll go ahead and start with the Alabama men's basketball team, and then uh, we'll move over to a couple of football topics and, and what will be a, a pretty short edition of Talking Tide this week. But, Travis, uh, the Crimson Tide basketball squad goes out in the second round of the SEC tournament in a blowout loss to Kentucky that I think pretty much everyone expected. Also expected Alabama not invited to the NCAA tournament, although, as you pointed out in our last podcast, uh, they were closer than people probably thought. They were, I think, one of the last four out, and uh, despite just a a miserable finish uh, in the regular season, they do pick up an NIT bid. They're the number one seed in the NIT. They'll be taking on Norfolk State over at Coleman Coliseum, 7 p.m., on Wednesday night, that'll be broadcast by ESPNU. I think the last time uh, we podcasted, Travis, uh, Alabama had just been knocked off by Arkansas. Uh, and so uh, a little bit of a tournament catch-up here for us, but uh, uh, kind of kind of what everybody saw coming, wasn't it? It was, although I don't know if anyone saw that second half in the second round game of the SEC tournament against Ole Miss. So let's give some credit where credit is due there. Down 14 at the half of that game, Alabama storms out of the locker room, comes back to beat the Rebels, setting up that quarterfinal matchup with Kentucky. And you start thinking maybe there's some parallels, Chase, between this team and the one we saw go to St. Louis a year ago. Um, and knock off Texas A&M and Auburn in its second game out there, securing an NC2A bid, a tournament bid in the process. Uh, but that wasn't that wasn't Auburn in round two uh, this time around. Kentucky, as we both know, very talented, very long, very athletic, very good on the defensive end of the floor, especially. And Alabama just didn't really have much for the Wildcats. And kind of a microcosm, really, of the season. And no surprise, again, that Alabama loses to a team of the stature of Kentucky. But just in terms of game-to-game production from this team throughout the the 2018-2019 season, and really, you know, dating back, even predating the, the, the Avery Johnson era, the, the sort of inconsistency that has plagued this program. But, you know, just take a look at a guy like Tevin Mack, for instance. 
up in Nashville. Tevin Mack in the win over Ole Miss Dynamite. Uh, he, he goes for, uh, what was it, 17? Uh, no, he had 13, I guess, in that game. Uh, in the second half alone against Ole Miss, um, 21 for the game for Tevin Mack against Ole Miss. Turns right around the next uh, day, pretty much, against Kentucky in a shutout. Kind of just, again, you know, we've seen it from players uh, you know, like uh, John Petty, Tevin Mack. Uh, there's these flashes of hope and semi-brilliance, and then there's very little coming behind it. And I, I think all that contributes to the ire, Chase, the ire of this Tuscaloosa, of this Alabama fan base right now couple thoughts on that Ole Miss game one uh, Tevin Mack he, he he had been pretty much one of the only guys giving Alabama anything offensively down the stretch in the regular season he doesn't even start the game uh since the first six or seven minutes mm-hmm. uh o- Ole Miss um gets out to a, a lead Avery Johnson said after the game that he was trying to send a little bit of a message to Tevin about doing more than scoring, uh, but <laughs> he throws him out there with about six or seven minutes uh, into the first half, and he starts lighting it up right away. And he didn't come out after that, Travis. So I think message. I think Avery decided that message had been sent well <laughs> enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it you know, and and I think going bigger against Ole Miss definitely paid dividends. Uh, in starting Galen Smith in that game, in starting Riley Norris to go along with Dante Hall, Alabama absolutely killed Ole Miss on the glass. 50-30, to 30, Alabama out-rebounds the Rebels. Um, you know, you look at second-chance p- points in that game, Alabama clearly ahead in that department as well. Uh, 23-2, to two, as a matter of fact, in second-chance points. So Alabama really had its way on the glass, but you knew – that wasn't going to be the case against a Kentucky team that was getting Reed Travis back in the lineup uh, in time for the SEC tournament coming off that knee injury. Yeah, no doubt. And, and uh, of course, they go one and one in the SEC tournament. And, and one of the one of the things Avery Johnson said after the Ole Miss game that I thought really kind of made me shake my head, he said, he said, well, we play pretty good when our backs are against the wall. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Your backs have been <laughs> against the wall for a month. Uh, and you, you dropped 70 your last nine. That was a guy who was just either uh, leaning a little too hard on the cliches or maybe a little tone deaf or maybe a little of both. Um, yeah. But uh, at any rate, uh, it, it's kind of the same old – it seems like every – I know it's not every year. Wasn't the case last year. Alabama had an NCAA tournament bid sewn up going into the SEC tournament last year. I get that. But aside from last year, it just kind of seems like on an annual basis this team goes into the conference tournament needing to play well to squeeze into the to the dance. Uh, no, you, you're, you're right on that. You're, that, that, that isn't just the way it feels. That, that is the way it's been. Um, you know, when you look at the final month of the season, the regular season over the last four years under Avery Johnson, you know, you go back and you add up the, the record, the wins and losses from, say, around February 10th through the end of the regular season, heading into the SEC tournament, just like you outlined the record for Alabama in the last four years from February 10th through the end of the regular season is now somewhere, I want to say it's 11 and 20. 
in those 31 games in those four years. I mean, that's the absolute time of year when you cannot be playing uh, at that sort of clip. And it happened once again this year, and this year it, uh, it bit Alabama. Looking forward, before we move on to football, Travis, your thoughts on kind of where this program is under Avery Johnson after four years. This NIT bid uh, gives them a chance, I suppose, to stretch their legs with some younger guys maybe, um, you know, and, and, and look to the future a little bit while they're trying to win uh, the secondary tournament. But where does Avery Johnson sit going into year five, do you think? He sits with an $8 million buyout right now. So he sits pretty comfortable, Chase. Now, that buyout, my understanding is in in mid-April, actually goes down to $6 million. So if you're Greg Byrne and the Alabama Brain Trust right now, the administration, you know, if you're having thoughts of making a move on Avery, the price tag today is $8 million. If you wait a month, uh, it could be, I guess, a couple million less at $6 million. The problem with that is you would be running right up into the late signing period, which gets underway April 17th. So you're looking at a day or two difference uh, in, in terms of when that buyout next drops significantly for Avery. Can you wait that long? I don't think you can. If you're going to make a move on Avery Johnson, I think you've got to bite the bullet uh, quickly and, and do it. And, and for that reason, it's hard for me, Chase, to anticipate UA and Greg Byrne writing that big of a check. Now, maybe Avery finds another spot. Maybe that Pelicans general manager position stays open and, and, and turns into something real. I, I don't know that will happen. Uh, I don't know if I even expect that will happen. All we have to go on right now are the numbers, and the numbers sort of dictate, I would say right now, that uh, Avery just moving on uh, on his own volition and leaving $8 million or even $6 million on the table isn't all that likely. I got my money on Avery Johnson coming back for another year, yeah. uh, and, and if he does go, I think it'll be what you suggested, and maybe it's a move he makes of his own volition as opposed to getting fired. A mutual uh, parting of ways. <laughs> yeah. Well. At a negotiated uh, price, perhaps. You know, because Avery's got a – Avery's – it's a two-way buyout, Chase. It's not just what, you know, Alabama would owe Avery if they were to get rid of him. If Avery leaves for a college or pro job – now, I'm not sure how it would be impacted by more of an administrative-type position rather than coaching – but Avery's on the hook for a couple of mil. But, you know, that's, again, something that if there is a mutual sort of parting, uh, both sides may be able to, to walk out, walk away from that, or at least negotiate it in a way that would make that uh, a little more palatable to, to both sides. Those mutual partings, that's that's how lawyers get involved and ring up $400 an hour uh, bills, you know, for uh, some of these mm-hmm. people. So. You know, we'll see what happens there. I, I think he's probably back for year five. I'd like to see him succeed. I'm an Avery Johnson guy. I'm an Avery Johnson fan. I liked Avery Johnson before he ever came to Alabama. Uh, as a matter of fact, yep. uh, I'm, a, I'm a casual, always have been, a casual Dallas Mavericks fan. And so I was an Avery guy back when 
when he was playing and coaching uh, in the NBA. So I'd like to see him come, and I'd like to see him stay for another year. Uh, yeah. But he is, he's, he's definitely got to play. He's definitely got to get this team playing better basketball, better team basketball, better effort. With purpose, uh, with purpose all the way year. around yeah. in terms of effort, in terms of what are you actually trying to accomplish. That's the word that always comes back to me, Chase, when I watch this team. What's the per- what is their purpose You know, in, in terms of energy and effort? But then also, what are they trying to accomplish conceptually? Um, and schematically, uh, I, I can't quite figure it out. And, and I, and I'm guessing that's not a good place to be four years into a regime. No, no, it's, it's not. There's no excuse for the way this, this team looked down the stretch. As much as I like Avery Johnson, nobody can like what this product looked like on the floor, uh, for the last four to six weeks of the season. Uh, so a lot of work to do for sure. Uh, we'll see who's around, who comes back, maybe what maybe what freshman comes in and makes an impact. But he needs another couple of ball handlers. Uh, he, he needs he needs some more beef in the paint. He needs a lot. He, he's uh, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to do well on the recruiting trail and and uh, bring some guys in that can that can help right away. And beyond that, develop some guys as well. You know, John John Petty's pretty much the same guy. Uh, Herb Jones is Herb Jones. is the, the yeah. same guy at best. Um, you know, and, and God, the free throw shooting. I swear, I, you can watch this team shoot free throws, Travis, and you can see it, and you can see it in their eyes that the hoop looks like a carnival hoop to them. You know, you know the the carnival hoop, yeah, that, that's actually yeah. shaped like an oval. It's not even yeah. a circle uh, where you can yeah. where you can uh, win the big stuffed animal if you can knock a couple of free yeah. throws down. But of course, it won't fall because the damn hoop's too small. That's what this team looks yeah. like. They're shooting at at the free throw the, line. The county fair man he likes to see that alabama basketball team come in the park you know because he knows there's not much inventory leaving with them you know although i will say this you know a guy like dante hall uh, without looking at the numbers i'd say he's improved yeah uh as a free throw shooter but you know you're right where's the rest of the team where's improvement in general and you touched on a couple of guys uh in that sophomore class that I felt all along were going to be critical to whether or not Alabama could sustain success post Colin Sexton. That's Herbert Jones. That's John Petty. That's Galen Smith. That's Alex Reese. And whereas at times it looked like that might happen this season, uh, cumulatively, uh, it it wasn't what it, it needed to be at all in terms of taking that next step for that group of sophomores. No confidence it didn't seem like offensively for Herb Jones at all oh, the no. whole season. And even Petty, who's a, who is a, a pure shooter and a guy that has to have confidence on offense, he was a walking turnover the last couple of weeks of the season. Uh, so uh, definitely uh, a lot of work to be done for Avery Johnson. We'll flip it now uh, for a few minutes. Talk about some spring football, Travis. That's underway. The Crimson Tide is... Uh, gotten a couple of practices under the belt. Nick Saban's got that spring break out of the way, so now in earnest they uh, uh, begin a stretch of spring football drills where they'll be able to put those full pads on and and see what they have. Any first blush thoughts from you on on what this team looks like after a couple days in? You know, it's become you and I, when we used to go out to, to fall camp, that first fall camp practice, you know, we would always look forward to seeing all the the newcomers all the freshmen all the 
you know, the the shiny new toys, I guess you could say. Well, that has changed a good bit to January and early enrollees and spring practice. So initially when you go out there now, the first thing you take a look at is all the early enrollees. And once again, a big class for Alabama from that standpoint and line of scrimmage guys that, that stand out to me from that standpoint chase justin aboigby a defensive lineman defensive end antonio alfano a defensive end offensive line you've got guys like amari kite pierce quick um evan neal who is just absolutely a mountain uh of a young lineman uh it's six seven ish 350 pounds they've been working him it looks like more inside at left guard to start spring practice so it's all those guys and that's before you talk about a couple of new quarterbacks and talia tonga Vailoa and paul tyson um you know some other guys that they could count on on the back end of that defense scooby carter at corner so that's the guys that you you sort of find yourself as you know checking out first and then it's about okay you know who's actually here that's supposed to be here and maybe isn't. And that's where Ali Caho, the the sophomore linebacker, has kind of been the top storyline of the first couple of practices, Chase, and that he hasn't been on the practice field. And Nick Saban, after that first practice, uh, mentioned that the hope is that at some point uh, Ali will rejoin his teammates. Uh, didn't seem all that certain about when that might be. Uh, and at Monday's practice coming off of spring break, Caho wasn't there once again. So you're already talking about a position that's thin in terms of proven playmakers outside of Dylan Moses. You're thinking that Caho is going to be that guy perhaps that steps in there alongside Dylan Moses, but kind of hard to do when you're not on the practice field. So Josh McMillan, a redshirt senior, has been the guy we've seen working alongside Dylan Moses. But I think that's the major concern right now is sort of inside linebacker moving forward other than Dylan Moses. Yeah, Cahoe, a guy that got some experience on special teams this past year but really didn't see a lot of action on defense. Dylan Moses, of course, a guy with a lot of returning experience, but he's by himself in that regard at inside linebacker. The rest of that crew, essentially, guys, Alabama's fans haven't seen play a whole lot of football at all. And it's an unusual situation for Nick Saban because the inside linebacker spot, uh, you go back about as many years as you want, he's not only had two quality starters there, he's usually had a third guy who can sub in either of the two inside linebacker spots who's maybe not as good but near as good uh, to provide some depth. And right now, uh, he's not just one short of the three he likes to have in the middle there. It looks like at least uh, at least in terms of what people uh, know for now and, and, and what these guys can do, maybe he's too short. Yeah, it's been the exception at Alabama more so than the rule uh, in previous years. You, you hit on it. Uh, it. There was a stretch there where there were basically five-star seasoned inside linebackers backed up by five-star young inside linebackers there for three or four years it seemed like maybe longer yeah that's not the case anymore so you know it's interesting Dylan Moses did talk with the media before Monday's practice made it clear that he is stepping into that Mike role chase he is stepping into that role as playmaker 
Uh, interesting that Pete Golding now is the standalone defensive coordinator. Should be a good thing, especially for Moses, because he'll have that connection with his position coach and his coordinator is the primary play caller. So there's some good things there. But, man, when you talk about value to the football team, Dylan Moses' health and availability right now compared to a lot of the other areas of this team, he's got to be a top five guy, doesn't he? In terms of a guy that you have to keep on the field right now, Dylan Moses has to be a top five guy. Yeah, there's no doubt Alabama would be in a lot better shape right now at that spot had Mac Wilson decided to return to school. And and, and Mac Wilson might be in better shape himself if he'd have made the same uh, decision. We've touched on that. Uh, in recent weeks as well. And we'll talk uh, talk about other positions around the football field as we continue through spring practice, coming at you with various Talking Tide podcasts every week or so throughout the spring. Uh, Got to take a time out now, though, to thank a couple sponsors that help keep us on the air, starting with North River Dental Associates. And I'll tell you, Travis, I've got my spring Routine teeth cleaning scheduled for this Friday. I've already gotten my text message from the staff over there at uh, North River Dental to remind me to get in there. And uh, looking forward to it. You know, I got it timed in March and October with those two visits for uh, the terrarium. You know, springtime. Oh, you love uh, it. Yes. Love so it. Uh, I'll be able to get – next time we do a Talking Tide podcast, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a full report on, on what various critters are, are running through that terrarium, uh, which you get to – Kind of get to eyeball while you're waiting to get your teeth cleaned over at Dr. Jack's. They do a super job over there for sure. Routine cleanings typically in an hour or less. You can call and make an appointment at 752-3506. Also go to NorthRiverDentist.com on the web for an appointment. It's Dr. Jack Smalley and North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa out there at 3200 Skyland Boulevard East. That's where you're going to find the very best selection of automobiles, both new and certified pre-owned, waiting for you right now at Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Go to MercedesofTuscaloosa.com. Check out the entire inventory that sits on the lot right now at MercedesofTuscaloosa.com. Then make your way to 3200 Skyland Boulevard East for the very best. In selection, sales, and service after the sale, it is Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Also, our great friends there at Carty and Lloyd, attorneys at law right there in downtown Tuscaloosa. Between them, Mike Carty and John Lloyd have a combined 60-plus years of legal experience. That's right, since 1992, Carty and Lloyd, attorneys at law, have served Alabamians and others from across the United States. 205-759-1554. Check out the website as well, www.cartlloydlaw.com. That's Carty and Lloyd, Attorneys at Law. Talking Tide podcast rolls on at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you for a few more minutes. Going to talk Alabama Pro Day uh, for a few minutes before we get out of here. The Crimson Tide, of course, uh, will hold its annual pro day uh, on Tuesday morning. And, and Travis, this particular pro day, I think it'll be, it should be anyway, a little busier with the big names than usual. Uh, what we typically see at Alabama pro days is most or all of the top draft prospects doing virtually nothing except for maybe position drills because they've come off a, a combine in which they've performed so well. Uh, 
that they really don't need to do much of anything at Pro Day. And so it's actually the uh, the lower-end prospects, maybe the guys that didn't even get to go to the Combine at all, who uh, take up center stage at Pro Day. This year, maybe not, uh, because for various reasons, some of the bigger names uh, didn't get to do a, a complete workout at the Combine. Uh, we already know Deontay Thompson will wait until a personal Pro Day on April 2nd, uh, because he's, he's still nursing a, a wrist injury that he suffered uh, in practice uh, but elsewhere, how about Josh Jacobs, yeah. uh, a guy that needs to do a complete workout, rated as the number one running back in the entire draft. Now, he's only a couple weeks removed from uh, the combine. They all are. And so I guess it's possible he may show up and say, you know what, I'm going to wait till Deontay's day and do my own personal pro day, uh, you know, on April 2nd or some other time. That's possible. You can't rule that out. Uh, those decisions sometimes get made uh, very late in the process. You don't get a lot of warning on that kind of thing. Uh, but if he's healthy, maybe he does a full workout. Best running back in the draft uh, has to check every box in terms of the physical testing. Also a big day uh, for Mac Wilson, assuming he's right physically to do everything. Uh, he did the vertical and the broad jump only at the combine. Didn't perform particularly well in either of those events. And so if he's right physically, might see a full right workout from from both Jacobs and Wilson. Yeah, I, you're right. Uh, for a couple of guys, and I would think Christian Miller, right, yep. uh, needs a full workout on Tuesday. And, boy, these NFL people, Chase, they absolutely love it because they get a twofer or a threefer if they want to stay through Wednesday. Out at Monday's practice, your guy, Mike Mayock, personnel chief for yep. the Oakland Raiders. He's out there on Monday. Saw him at practice. Brian Dable, uh, now the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, previously here at UA a couple of seasons ago. He was out at practice. All kinds of NFL people, by the way, out at Monday's practice. So uh, this is a great opportunity for the personnel and position guys and head coaches to come in and, and get a glimpse of next year's crop before tomorrow's pro day. But if I had to ask you, Chase, the one guy tomorrow who has the most riding on that pro day from the Alabama perspective, who would you go with? Probably Mac Wilson. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm I think with you. Jack, Josh Jacobs is, a, is uh, he still has to check every box with the physical testing, but if he wants to wait a month uh, and then he lights it up on his own day, that's not going to hurt him. Wilson, I think, uh, NFL coaches uh, and GMs, scouts, et cetera, and it'll be packed tomorrow. You're there every year, Travis. You know um, it's 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 loaded up in that indoor. Mac Wilson needs to perform tomorrow um, in a big way. It'll help him a lot if he does. If it doesn't, it, he could he could swing in either direction. So I would definitely yeah. say Mac Wilson, uh, probably the guy who's got the red circle around him for a lot of these. NFL types who are in town, and as you said, some of them taken in practice today. I guess it's good news for the all the local ho hotels downtown, Travis. That they're oh, getting to, uh, that sushi bar at Chuck's <laughs> on Monday night. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think tonight down there at that sushi bar upstairs? Two and two and three night stays yes. for some of these NFL types instead of just buzzing in for one night. A lot of them, I'm sure. I have to check in with my guys upstairs at, upstairs at Chuck's coming up. Because uh, Monday night should be a good one. Tuesday night, maybe two up there in, in that upper level. Um, but, yeah, so I, I guess a, a way of putting it, Chase, is 
the NFL people are coming back for Josh no matter what. Mac Wilson needs to show well enough on Tuesday to get him to come back yeah. and do some other things with him. If he doesn't have a great day on Tuesday, Chase, it could be that uh, the opportunities for him in more of those private settings won't be much or won't be as great, certainly, as they're going to be for, for Josh Jacobs, regardless of what he's able to do tomorrow. Well, the, typically what scouts will tell you is that the, the, the combine workout, the pro days workouts, they, they don't really control the draft status. The tape is what controls the draft status. But uh, if a guy performs in at the combine or at a pro day, in a way that doesn't match the tape, then they want to go back and they want to figure out why. Well, Mac didn't have great tape this past no. year. And so if he performs really well, he has to perform really well just for the NFL people to say, okay, he's he's a better athlete based on physical testing than he looks on film. Let's go back and, and see if we can figure out why. What he doesn't want is to match – rough tape with a rough workout because mm-hmm. then you get then you get drafted in a rough round that's how that yeah. works um, and I think and I think there are questions about Mac in terms of preparation and the mental aspect of things um, how important is the game to Mac Wilson so you you throw that in there with rough tape and and physical testing that that isn't uh, uh, what you would want it to be and this is a guy that we've seen in some first-round mocks early in the process that second, third day potentially chase yeah. for Mac Wilson if it comes down to it. Yeah, he, I, I think he, he, he needs to light it up uh, tomorrow with the physical testing and interview well, I think, to kind of maybe, maybe get back into the second-day conversation. And a lot of things can happen. As we've said before, it only takes one team to really love you uh, for, to, to go higher than anybody expects. Uh, and, and maybe there's a team out there that's that's crazy about Mac Wilson. He, he definitely flashes upside uh, here and there really throughout his college career, but he is definitely the guy that, that has the most riding tomorrow uh, at Alabama's Pro Day, no doubt about it. Likely total sit-outs, uh, and Williams, Irv Smith, those two probably not going to do much of anything. Quentin Williams did not do the bench press at the combine, so maybe he's maybe he does the bench tomorrow. Irv Smith, pretty complete workout in Indianapolis. Don't expect much from him. Guess it's probably a pretty big day for Lester Cotton too, Travis, a guy that wasn't at the combine. Yeah, Hale Hentges maybe. Um, yeah, is a pro day guy tomorrow that wasn't a combine uh, invite, and and you know maybe an, a guy like Isaiah Bugs. Uh, in such a deep defensive line class, yep. you know, needs to try to make good on every opportunity that comes his way. Yeah, position drills for sure. Big for him. That'll do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.